Okay. Parsha's Vayigash, next week's Parsha. There are several really mysterious elements that draw the attention of many of the commentators. First of all, the brothers come up from Mitzrayim and they say to Yaakov Avinu, Yosef is still alive. Says the Torah of Ayofeg, Libay Kilehem and Lahem. See how uh, his heart rejected, he couldn't believe them. Now, if there's anything that the Shifteka should not have made a joke about, it's Atati, Yosef is alive. No, just kidding. <laughs> there couldn't be anything worse to like, what does it mean that he didn't believe them? Clearly, he must have believed that he was alive, so there's something else that he wasn't believing about his being alive. Second of all, the next passage says that he saw the Agolis, he saw the wagons that Yosef sent to carry him, and Yaakov came back to life. And Rashi tells us that the last thing Yosef had learned together with his father was the parsha of Egla Rufa. Just a quick reminder what that parsha is. That's where Rahman al a person, is found murdered in between two cities. So the Ziknei Ha'ir, the elders of the city that's closest to the place where this person was murdered, they need to go out and they, there's a ritual done with a, with a calf and they, 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 cut, they kill the calf and then they say, our, our hands didn't spill this blood. So that was the last sugya that they learned and obviously that has to be of significance unto itself. But... Um, Yaakov Avinu, when he sees that remez in the Agolis that Yosef sent, he comes back to life. Now he believes them. So what? what's going on here? He didn't believe them before, but when he sees the Agolis, now he believes them. And then he makes his way down to Mitzrayim after HaKadosh Baruch told him not to worry, he should go down. And the Torah says, And Yosef prepares his, his uh, Rashi says, he prepared the horses for his chariot to do so in honor of his father. And it says that he wept on Yosef. says Rashi, but Yankiv did not fall on the necks of Yosef. He didn't kiss him. And our sages tell us, The reason he didn't is because Yankiv was reading the Shema. And again, all of the commentaries asked, if it was time to read the Shema, then Yosef also should have been reading the Shema. And if it wasn't time to read the Shema, why was Yaakov reading the Shema? Some want to answer that Yosef was an Isaac B'mitzvah. He was busy with the mitzvah of Kibadav. Hence, he was exempt from the mitzvah of Kriyashma because he was put in a mitzvah because he was being Isaac B'mitzvah. But Yaakov Avinu wasn't being Isaac B'mitzvah and therefore he had to read the Shema. Anyway, there's a lot, as you can well imagine, there are thousands and thousands of interpretations about this. Yesterday... In the parsha that we read, there's a really exceptional pshat word from the Marvashamash. And he um, it's the first piece in Parsha's Miketz. So there's a again a very oft quoted Medrash. The Medrash says, Ashre Hageva Ashasam Hashem Miftah, fortunate is the person who makes Hashem his trust. This refers to Yosef. 
he didn't appeal to falseness and, and other shtusim. So he says, because he said to the wine butler, because he appealed to the wine butler to remember him, to to you know call upon his memory there, he was given another two years in prison. So you begin by saying, fortunate is the person who trusts only in Hashem. And then you say, because he mentioned that the Saramashkim should save him, therefore he ends up with another two years. So that's inconsistent with the opening of the Medish. It almost seems like the beginning of the Medish and the end of the Medish are contradicting themselves. Says the, says the Mavishamash as follows. He also comments on some of the other words. I'll, I'll get to that when we, when we get to the answer. He says that there was a time period, he quotes the, the introduction to the Hafla, who goes through this in a very organized manner, that there was a time when HaKadosh Baruch Hu communicated with us through his prophets. Very open conversation, direct connection. That time passed for given reasons, and after that time period, the mode of communication was something called a baskel, a heavenly echo. You find it in the Gemara several times that the, the uh, echo came out and communicated various things, halachic things, and, uh, spiritual things. That was taken from us. Says the Mavashamesh, this has remained for us, and that is the ringing of the holy bells. Kishkush Pamenikoidish. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu causes his Ruach HaKadosh to dwell upon the tzaddikim of every single generation. Everything, all of this, meaning the nevuah, the baskel, and the relationship with the tzaddikim, he says, is all for the purpose of strengthening Klal Yisrael's emunah in Hashem. That Hashem has not abandoned the world and that he communicates with our world. And we, he, he, he interprets several things with this. And he says that the way this happens is because the entire interest of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only, solely for the purpose of revealing Hashem's presence, B'tach here in this world. That's the goal of creation. Dira B'tach And therefore, when the tzaddik in any generation does something, or davins for someone, and through his tefillah, a, the, the ill person is cured, and the barren woman is given children, and so on, whatever the issue is. So the entire generation is, is able to see the hand of Hashem in his world, and as a result, the amuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu is fortified and strengthened through the word of the tzaddik. The Amunah becomes embedded, believe called Echad Echad, in the heart of every Jew. That's the goal. Now, he says what's more, they're not the only ones who are surprised and impacted by this. The Tzaddik is the most surprised person. Because he can't believe that HaKadosh Baruch is willing to listen to the tefillah of someone as lowly as himself. And he's the one who's most shocked. He quotes a word from his Rebbe that he heard from his Rebbe in, in Ayav Yisrael from the Apterov he also brings it that he heard it from his Rebbe and it's printed in Noyim Ali Melech from Rebbe Melech himself and he says that in, in the coming week Parshia when, when um, Moshe and Aaron appear to Paroi 
He says, Perform for yourselves a miracle, a sign. And everybody asks, What do you mean? He should say, You should give me a sign that you're the real deal. He doesn't have to give them a maifis. Says Rabbi the Melech, that when one performs sorcery or black magic or even magic tricks, the person performing the magic is never surprised. He knows exactly what's going to happen. Whereas, when it comes to being involved with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Tzaddik Davins, or even if the Tzaddik is a Geyser you never really know what's going to happen. Pare had heard about this phenomenon. He understood that there's a distinction between magic and godliness. See, he says, I really want to see what this looks like. He says, because my sorcerers are never surprised by what happens. Do something that you're going to be surprised by. So that's, that's how he touches the Tzadikim. He says that this is the way it is by Tzadikim. They're always the ones who are most surprised. And he adds that Tzadikim, who this goes to their heads, and they become involved for their own benefit in this the Rosham shuts the doors they're not a tzaddik at all and it's not, it's not going to work so he extends this to Yosef and he says like this Yosef here interpreted the dreams of the Saramashkim and the Saraoifim right and exactly what he said happened right so now the Danger exists that the Saramashkim is going to go out and say to the world, Hey, everybody, I met a big Bob Mephis. He happens to be in jail, but this guy's a miracle worker. And the word is going to get out. And Yosef didn't, A, he didn't want the attention. And he writes this. That the Tzadikim, he's, uh, he says that they're there, it, it, it stares their avoidance. They want to learn, they want to daven. They're not interested in people, uh, you know, bothering them for lottery numbers. That's really not what they what they're interested in doing. So Yosef wants to live because he wants to live quietly and serve Hakadosh Baruch in peace. He knows that there's a tremendous risk now. He's not so worried about the Saraifim, right? The baker he's not so worried about because he's dead in three days. But this other guy who's going back to his job, he's presenting a great risk to Yosef's service of Hakadosh Baruch. So he says to him. Like this. He says to the Tsar Hamashkim, let me go back to the Pasuk. At the end of Parashas Vayeshev, says to him, like this. No. Um, not with me. Okay. So he says to the Tsar, Amashkim. Yeah. Um, no. No. Kiim zichatani itcha. Kiim. Kiim suggests only if. Only if you're going to remember me with you. I should do that. Right. 
Only if you're going to remember me with you. What does that mean? And what's the condition? What's the basis of this condition that he's making with him? Then he says, Vihizkartani el paroi, you should remember me to paroi. Who's forgetting? How do you remember him to someone? And then he, he finally he says, um, Okay, so he, he, he interprets like this. He says, look, I'm not interested in the fame. I don't need the pirsum here of, of uh, you're going out and talking about, I'm a Balmaifis. There's one condition that I'm okay with it. And that is, if from this will come forth, as the Mavashamash insists in so many different places, that the purpose of all these things that the tzaddikim do, where they can decree... And okay, there's Baruch who fulfills, and they can daven, and Hashem brings a Yeshua, right? When the only purpose is if a Kveit Shemayim can come out of it. Is it going to bring greater God consciousness to the world? Then I'm okay with it. But if it's just about me becoming a famous Balmaifis, then I have no use for it. So therefore, he says, that's the condition. Ki'im, it's a condition that I'm making... I'm prom- making you take an oath, this this uh, Saramashkin. I don't want you mentioning this to anybody. I want you to keep it ki'itcha. This is a secret to be kept with you until the moment comes that a Kavayt Shemayim is going to come out of it. Then, Vizkatani el Pare says, Pare in this case doesn't mean the Pharaoh, it means revelation. The, to, to reveal is the same language as Pare. When can you mention me? El Pare, if it's coming to come to a revelation of godliness in the world. Then, then I'm okay with it. Therefore, the Medrash comes along and says, fortunate is the person who places his trust in Hashem. This is Yosef. He trusted HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he was willing to, to do this for the Saramashkim. And because he made this condition with him that he wouldn't reveal who he is, the reward was that he had another two years of peace. It doesn't say anywhere in the in the in the in the Medrash that this was a punishment. It says Nitoisiflai. He was it was gifted another two years of peace that people didn't bother him. Hafaldikabshat. So it was it was consistent with the beginning of the Medrash. He placed his trust in Akadash Baruch and he wanted to fortify the world with that knowledge. And because he did it only for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's really going to become critical to going forward here, because he did it just for the sake of Hashem, therefore he was gifted another two years of tranquility. Rather, he was gifted another two years of peace. Half of the fellow. It, it turns the whole, the whole matter on, on its head from the way everybody else reads the matters. Now, Having said that, let's let's move forward. So, what I want to take from the Marvashamash are two Number one is that the Erlachigid is not interested in his own self-aggrandizement. He's interested in the Kuwait Shemayim. The second element that I think is important here is the point that there's a risk. Meaning, the, the fact is that there is a risk for this person who can fall into the trap 
of zich. There's, there's a risk involved. A person sees all of a sudden that his tefillahs are answered, that there's a risk that he can become full of himself. Okay. Here's... Uh, actually, I think I wrote this up in one of the volumes of the uh, Reflecting the Light. In Parshas Vayeshev, when Yosef... When the brothers um, take Yosef and they slaughter this animal and they they uh, dip the Xenus Passim into the thing, they come to Yankee Ravino. And Yankee Ravino mourns in a, in a very, very intense way. Rashi at the beginning of Pasha's Vayeshev there says, Yankee Ravino, because Yankee Ravino, Shalvi Yankee Ravino wanted to. Live in tranquility. Kafatz olav rugzay shal Yosef. The roigiz, which is a very strange language, the episode, the the incitement really of Yosef came upon him. Tzadikim wish to dwell in peace. Hashem says, it's, "Is it not enough for the tzadikim that they have the world to come? They want peace in this world also, and therefore the whole parsha of Yosef comes upon him." And again, it's a very difficult. First of all, what does it mean that Yaakov Avinu wanted? You know, he wanted to finally go and. and Khalila retire in in uh, you know in the Philippines. Like what was what's it what what is it what does the shalva look like? So the Pasuk there says that Yankiv Avinu refused to be comforted, even though all of his sons and his daughters came to console him, and he said, Ki al Bini Ovil I'm gonna go in Sha'ila, I'm going to go down with my son into the pit. By Yevk and his father wept for him. So, the Shini Verov in Divri Yecheskel interprets this pasuk in a very, very clever way, meaning like this: He says that Yaakov Avinu's children said to him, "You know, Tati, the Chazal tell us that a person there's a gzera." that a, a mace is to be forgotten after 12 months. So the very fact that you're continuing to mourn so intensely, even after that time, should be a simon to you that Yosef is still alive. So he, he says that that's what the Pasuk says. All of his children, all of his sons and daughters got up to console him. And he refused to accept Consolation, and Rashi says that a person can't accept consolation for somebody who's alive. Right? Therefore, that they wanted to say to him, Dafka, for that, that that should be a sign, Tati, that he's still alive. Why wasn't he comforted? So they have a very good time at the Yankee you know. The very fact that years and years and years, he's got to be alive. Yankee Vavino understood that Yosef is physically alive. The question was, is he still spiritually alive? And that was a greater source of pain to Yankee Vavino than had he been dead. So, Chazal tells us by Chaya Ra, that this wild animal, Achalosu, Chazal's right there, that that refers to the wife of Petifar. That Yankee Vavino foresaw that he was going to be placed in a situation of incredible temptation. 
and Shaila was, would he be able to withstand that 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 temptation? And that's what Yaakov Avinu mourned. He mourned the the likely chance that Yosef would not be able to maintain his integrity. The Gemara in Brachis says, Rigzu vial Incite against the Yetzirah, don't sin. That's the same language as Rugzoi, right? Incite against the Yetzirah. If you win, fine. If not, learn Torah. If you win, fine. If not, read the Shema. If you win, fine. If not, call upon the day of death. And many of the commentaries say that the reason Chazal don't use the most powerful method reminding one of the day of death as a first resort is because it causes a person to be depressed. Somebody who's constantly thinking about death is usually not a very happy person. It's only to be used if none of the other methods work, then a person can resort to that. Now, Yosef is in the lowest possible place in society. And the Tumah is so intense that he understood that he can't resort. He can't utilize the first methods of Torah or the method of Krishna. The uh, Bavarov quotes here that the Binyan David says that Yosef says there at the end of Vayeshev, Even here I didn't do anything. Because they put me into the pit. Simple meaning is, I did nothing wrong to deserve to be here in prison. Said the Binyan David, You know why you know why I have transgressed nothing here? Because I have a constant vision of them lowering me into the grave. That's I haven't stumbled and fallen in sin because I'm constantly being lowered into the grave. Yaakov Avino said, I want you to understand, Kindalach. I am going down into the pit with my son. He understood how Yosef, that the only method that Yosef could be utilizing to survive is this method of that he was utilizing the day of death as a man. See, Yaakov Avinu, as Chazal tell us, when that moment came with Eshes Petifar, that Yaakov Avinu appeared to, to Yosef. Yaakov Avinu was able to somehow, through his incredible koiches, make his way into the pit where Yosef was and appear to him and tell him that he can't, he can't sin. So I wanted to ponder a little bit. What was it about this one? If if the other, if this Eitzah was working for Yosef, if the Eitzah of Yaskil Amisa was effective until this point, why did Yaakov Avinu need to come down at this at this juncture? And what occurred to me is that there's not just the risk of depression. But the result of a person who's living in constant um, despair and constant sadness is that ultimately the Yitzhahara is going to get him. The Baltanya writes, he has a whole parak on Simcha. He talks about two wrestlers 
and that the the weaker wrestler has the ability to overcome the stronger one if he's excited and passionate. If the guy lets his guard down a little bit, even if he's stronger, he's going to lose. The method of kisamu oisi bibur, of living constantly in that vision of death, is going to lead to weakness. And Yaakov understood that. And as a result, Yaakov injected his simcha into Yosef's life at that moment. Understanding that a person can't live long-term in Mitzrayim and battle just with the Midah of it's not that's not a way that's not a way to live you can't survive it'll work temporarily but to go in a long term um, battle using a depressing method is just going to wear it away a person and he'll fail I have written here in my margin something I was very impressed with that by Sheva Brochus you say to a Chosen Kala Rejoice, double language, you beloved friends. Like Hashem made you rejoice in Ganed. What's the reference back to Ganed? What's that about? Some say that that was the only marriage where there was no mother-in-law involved, and therefore there was a chance for true joy. Here's the real shot. There was no death. Death had not yet been introduced into human life at that point. We told the couple, you're launching into life. Use the two methods to battle your Yetzirah that cause joy. Limadatayra and Kriyashma. Sameach Tisamach. Use the only two methods that create joy. Just like Hashem had Adam and Chava rejoicing in Eden because there was no death. I mean, you should never need to come on to this, this solution of death. That's the Bikish Yankiv Leishet B'Shalva. Yankiv Avinu's Shalva consisted of a father who was concerned that his children survive in their battle against the Yitzhar. That's what Shalva is for a tzaddik. Shalva is the knowledge that his children will endure and be able to overcome the, the the temptation of the Yitzhar. Vayevk Oisay Oviv, he says here in Divish Lama, means in Yiddish, Zantatatam Oiskivet, that Yaakov Avinu wept on behalf of the righteousness of Yosef. When he went down, Elbini of El he went down to him in, in that moment of temptation. But what kept Yosef safe was his father's tears. He goes on to say that there really is no method for a, a, um, the well-being of our children other than tefillah. Tefillah is the most effective tool that a parent can, can have. It's, it's the tears of a parent that can bring about the safety of their children. And that's what tzaddikim, they talk have their ilam abba. That's not enough for them. They want shalva in this world. They want to know that, that what remains behind them in this world will carry on their legacy of, of Torah. Okay, so store that for a moment.
in the back of your minds here. Okay. So, what we saw in the Mavashamish is that there is a danger of grandeur. What we see here in the Divishlema is that there is a danger of depression. So this isn't really looking good for humanity because both ends here are fraught with, with potholes. We can, we can fall if we get too full of ourselves and we can fall if we're down on ourselves. Shemin Reish, the Wiener Rov writes, it's a lot of different really great pieces on, on Vayigash here. But in the midst of one of these, one of his mamorim, he writes here that the Torah didn't have the capacity to protect Yosef in Mitzrayim because it had not yet been given. That this method of Torah being a protector only works after there was a mitzvah of Talmud Torah. So, Yaakov Avinu's, um, how does he say this here? Oh, so he says, which method does work? The method of Krishma, right? That's the, the, middle, the middle method of Krishma works. When Yaakov you know, comes into, steps into Mitzrayim, the first thing he does, therefore, was to read the Shema, because that was the method that was going to protect him. And he didn't want to use the solution any longer that was used until now of for which reason Yaakov Avinu says now I can die only once only at the moment of true death I'll never need to use the method of death again and he adds that the trap on there in that posuk is a munach revi which means to let the fourth method down the fourth method there is so when he saw Yosef, he says, Munach Revi, we could let the fourth method rest now. We have the other eights that we can use. Okay. Inside your Yetzahara? Inside your Yetzahara gets Yetzahara? Torah? Shema? Yaskaliyamamisa. Okay, so this is, here you see the inspiration of, of what, how a person looks at Torah. The Vinarov says like this Aikavino understood that his descent, as the, the Pesach tells us, Hashem appears to him and says, Altera, don't, don't worry about going down to Egypt. Oh, you're going to come out of this even greater. And the, the Mepharshim tells us that it wasn't just about Golis Mitzrayim. This was the introduction to all of the Golias. This was, Yeridah the Mitzrayim was a microcosm of all Jewish exile. 
Rashi in Devarim when um, what's the Pesach there? There the Pesach says like this. This is in Devarim Lamed Beis. Yatziv Gevulas Amem Lemisbar B'day Yisrael Hashem sets the boundaries of the nations to the number of B'nai Yisrael. Says Rashi. What does that mean to the numbers? That Klai Yisrael went down to Mitzrayim with 70 uh, Yagabita went down to Mitzrayim with 70 Nefoshes. 70 souls. And corresponding to that are the 70 nations of the world. That's what Rashi writes there. So the point that he's making through this, this Rashi is that invested in those 70 nefoshes was the strength, was the capacity to remain B'nai Yisrael despite the koiches of the 70. Meaning our 70 will buffer their 70. Okay? Yaakov Vina goes down to Mitzrayim to usher in the time, the era of Gullus. And as we know, he only had, what was it, 67 Nefoshes going down with him because he had Yosef and Ephraim and Menashe that made up the other three. Yaakov Vina wasn't absolutely confident, as we've been saying, as to what the status was of Yosef and his children in Mitzrayim. Yosef wanted to communicate to his father that they were worthy of being part of that number of 70 that would allow Klai Yisrael's survival through this, their wanderings through the 70 nations. So he sends Agolos, Ayin Golos, the 70 exiles are the Agolos. And he sends his father a message saying, I want you to know that with the three of us here, you can have the confidence that your children make up the number 70 in Kedusha that will counter the 70 powers of the impurity of the nations of the world. And therefore, he sends him as Ha'agolos. Agolos is Ayin Golos, the 70, the 70 nations of Golos. So, Yankovino had a second concern, and that was, although Yosef may have been able to withstand the temptations of Egypt, but his children never saw Yankov. His children never saw the Shiftei And they grew up completely and totally. They were born and bred in Mitzrayim. Who says that Ephraim and Menashe are going to be worthy of representing their portion of those 70 souls? The Gemara in Shabbos, the Aflamid Beis, Asks, Eze and Maisi Yodov Shalodam. What are the greatest representations of the actions of one's hands? They are the sons and the daughters of a person. That's Maisi Yodov. Okay? Based upon that, Yosef says, Arkadish says to Yankov, when he sees these 70, he sees the message that Yosef sends him in the Ha'agolos. Hashem says to Yosef, Don't worry about it. Yosef will place his Yad, his children, 
al enecha over your seventy. Enecha over your seventy. Don't worry, Ankiv. Yosef's yad, his children, will be part of that seventy to build the nation that will tolerate and be able to ward off the effects of the seventy nations. There's that which Yankee Avinu represented and that which Yosef represented. Yosef's entire life and the way in essence that he survived was, although it appeared that it was through the Koyach of Kisamoisi Bebar, utilizing the Koyach of Yaskel uh, the Yememisa, which he clearly had to use at times, but ultimately as we said earlier, it's impossible for a person to maintain perspective with a downer. It's good for a moment, it's good for... But you can't, you can't be on that kind of medication long term. What allowed Yosef to survive was, as the Mavish said earlier, which was that any... In, in either direction, Yosef always understood that he needed to elevate the experience towards his father towards his father in heaven they say Yankovino um, says to his brothers go to father and tell him This is in Perik Memhe. Post a good gimel. I want you to go tell my father's Kol all of my honor in Egypt. This Kol of everything you've seen here, and go bring my father here. Yaakovim is going to be impressed with his wealth, with his honor in Egypt. So that's not how you're supposed to read the post. It says Vigadetem. I want you to tell. Tati, Lo'ovi is called Kavaydi B'Mitzrayim. I didn't take this honor for myself. Everything that happened to me, I was able to elevate. As the Mavashomer said, the way the tzaddikim process is to elevate the moifis, the miracles, the answered prayers, whatever it is, they sanctified and elevated Lo'ovi to their Father in Heaven. That's all Yosef was interested in. See, he says to his brothers, everything you see here, is meaningless to me. The only value it has is la'avi. It's it's that I'm able to uplift it to create a kiddush shemayim. Ve'yegidu lo'elamar. So they say to Yankov Avinu, 
Oyd Yosef Chai, Yosef is still alive. Vechihu Moishel Bechol Eretz Mitzrayim, that he is a ruler over all of, of, of Egypt. Yofik Libay, and Yaakov Avinu didn't believe them. But when he saw the Agolis, when he saw the perspective of Yosef, that it wasn't about him, but that he was a mere catalyst. He was a, a, a venue. He was a method of being able to take everything that happened to him, the negative and the positive, and somehow was able to use it to motivate other people to believe in our Kaddish Baruch Hu. Then Yaakov Avinu came to life. When he saw how Yosef processed everything, Yosef as a Merkava Takadish Baruch Yosef was a virtual, there's the language of the Zayar, that Yosef turned himself into a Merkava. He was a moving chariot, a chariot has wheels. He wasn't about him. He was a, a, a medium to be able to create a Kiddushem Shemaim. Then Yankiv Avinu came, came to life. Yankiv Avinu, according to the Sifri Kodesh, and there's many, many different proofs to this, was a weeper. Yankovinu foresaw the Goliaths. Yankovinu saw the Tsaras that were coming. And he was constantly pleading and begging and pleading and begging. It says that the the um the different places where they went that he he was misbattled. So here in Divishlam he brings a a, a, a very Treflachavat. He says the Posak says that Yosef let's get the exact language here. When Yaakovinu comes down to Mitzrayim, finally, the Pesach says, quoted the Pesach before, V'yeser, V'yeser Yosef Merkavtoi, and Yosef harnessed his chariot and went up to meet Yankiv, his father, Yisrael, where did he meet him? Goishna. And he appeared to him, and he, and he fell on his neck and cried, and his father fell on, on, his, on his neck. But then it doesn't say that he cried. So the Bavrov said like this, that it says in Rameer Pramishlana that when Shem ben Noyach, Malki Tzedek, Melech Shalem, met up with Avram Avinu, so the pasuk there says, "Amaki tzedek melech shalem, hoitzi, hoitzi yain, lechem yain, v'hu kain the kelelia." He says, "When two elachim get together, the method is that one will always learn from the other. The goal is if I'm meeting somebody, let me see what I can learn from him in Avodas Hashem." Amaki tzedek. Was they had the yeshiva of Shem and Abraham? He was he said and learned all day. Avram Avinu fed people. He brought them in. It was mekar of them. Takadish Baruch Hu. Malkit Tzedek Melech Sholem Shem Ben Noach Hoitzi. He took out of Avram Avinu lechem v'yain. I should really spend some time feeding people bread and wine. Vehu and Avram Avinu took from Shem Koyin LeKelay, and I should be spending some more time in the Bismedish. That's how. Remeir Primishlan interprets these pesukim. So the same thing happens here with Yosef and Yankov Avinu. Yosef understands he's going to meet Yankov Avinu, and there's something he's going to learn from Yankov Avinu. And Yankov Avinu has something he wants to learn from Yosef. But yes, or Yosef Merkavtoi. So Yosef held back his Merkava. The fact that he cut the way he survived in Mitzrayim 
was by constantly recognizing I'm here for a catalyst to be Mikadesh Shemaim. I'm going to use everything I've got to serve Hakadosh Baruch Hu to let the world know who Hashem is. And he went to greet Yankov Avinu Goishna. Those letters should be very familiar to us after what we've been doing for the past week. Those are the four letters that are on the dreidel, right? Goishna. And the Sefer Kodesh write, the Bnei Soscha brings this, that they represent the four Goliaths of, of our exiles throughout the ages. So Yosef went Likras Oviv, Goishna, to weep for the Golos. And when he comes to Yaakov Avinu, Vayev called Savarov, Hitaka weeps. And the Chazal tells us that Savarim were the, the destructions of the base of Migdash. So he adopts Yaakov Avinu's weeping on behalf of Claudius and Golos. At the same time, Yaakov Avinu didn't weep. He understood that he needed to learn from Yosef. What could he derive from Yosef? It was the Messias Nefesh of giving himself completely over, as it says one should do by Kriyashma. See, Yankim Avinu was reading the Shema not because it was Man Krishma, but because he understood that there was something for him to learn from the Messias Nefesh of how Yosef survived under these conditions. So you have this tension between how we are to deal with our Yetzirah. Our Yetzirah sometimes appears to us to want us to want to put us down. And it's, sometimes he appears to us to want to raise us up to being the, God's gift to the world. And Yankee Vavino, the reason perhaps that they studied the um, the mitzvah of Egla Arufa that Hashem orchestrated that that should be the last mitzvah that they learned together was Chazal asked us there that when the, the um, Zikainim say that our hands didn't spill this blood so they say does anybody really think that the Zikainim were the murderers of this person so the answer we didn't send him off without food and without escort. That this person did not die as the result of feeling neglected. And the Rebbe orchestrated that the last thing that Yosef learned from his father was that he's not alone. To such a degree where the, the, uh, one of the cheshbonis that the Vinarov writes there, which is a very, very fascinating thing, we'll, I'll go through it, Bikitzer, just because it's, it, it's so beautiful. It says like this. Why did Yosef share these dreams? It's, it's, he sees that it's grating on their nerves. Yosef understood that these were prophecies and that he didn't have the right to withhold the prophecy. Yaakov Avinu bought into Yosef's understanding. He, he, he was on board. And as Chazal tells us, he was so bought in that everything that he learned from Yeshiva Shem Eber, he gave everything, all that was transmitted dafka to Yosef. 
Chazal say that one of the byproducts of the vulgar, disgusting attribute, and these the words that I'm using don't even scratch the surface of what Chazal used to describe arrogance. But one of the side effects is that a person forgets their learning. They can't maintain clarity. They, they lose their chachmah. Yankim Avino worried at times whether or not Yosef's dreams were about the his arrogance. In fact, that was what the Shvatim claimed about him, that the reason he's having these dreams is because that's what he's thinking about during the day. So of course he's dreaming that at night. And Yagivinu kept a very careful check on it by constantly learning with Yosef. And he wanted to see because if it was arrogance, then his, clear, his learning would not be up to snuff. So Yagivinu used the Torah of, that he was learning with Yosef as the gauge to know whether or not Yosef's attitude was arrogant. And he was very clear that it wasn't. But that being the case, when the brothers came to him with the garment, with the Ksenis passive full of blood, Yagavina was caught, he couldn't figure out if the prophecy was true, then Yosef couldn't have been killed. But then what about the learning? So he says, Torah, Torah, Yosef. The whole Yosef picture is completely torn up in my mind I, I erred somewhere here because if the prophecy was true he couldn't have been killed but yet at the same time if it wasn't true how did he have that kind of clarity in learning where is the greatest expression of Yankim Avinu's belief in Yosef's prophecy the fact that he sent him to check on his brothers you know what they think about him what was Yankim Avinu thinking how do you send him into the lion's den? Elamai, Yagavinu had such a deep belief in the righteousness, in the humility of Yosef. It didn't occur to him, nothing can happen to him. He has prophecies that are going to happen, they're going to come true. And then his world is thrown into turmoil because they show him the garment, and the garment is stained with Yosef's blood. So he mourns. He didn't just mourn the loss of his son. He mourned his entire Judgment. He, he mourned everything he knew about with the truth of humility and the truth of Torah. Everything was... But was, was, he, he, he couldn't comfort himself. The minute Yosef sends him, the Agolois, meaning that even after 22 years in Mitzrayim, he still maintained that level of Torah. But Yankov Avinu came to the fullness of his being. I was right. It was a prophecy. He was humble. He remembered his Torah. It all, all the dominoes fell into place. But the point was that Hashem orchestrated that they learn Egla Arufa because that moment when Yankov sent Yosef off it was with the greatest expression of trust in Yosef that declared to Yosef in terms far louder than Levaya or Mazoin. He sent them off saying, I'm sending you to your brothers and I have zero fear that you will be killed because I know that this was a prophecy. 
Tafel of fella. The way he goes through the, each of these episodes to point out how, how it all falls into place based upon this. But that was the message of the Egla Rufa. So when it comes the moment that Yosef and Yankiv meet, they exchange their their attitudes. Yosef is weeps upon his father. He weeps for the moments that he had to that he had to give in to Yaskuliyam uh, Hamisa, and he weeps to adopt his father's teaching, his father's attitude, his father's life's mission of pleading on behalf of Klai throughout the ages in Golders. On the other hand, Yankov Avinu rejoices and Shema Yisrael Hashem Alekeinu Hashem Achod. The Hermotel brings, I think it's a Zayar, that says that if you take the two large letters in the Posek Shema Yisrael, there's two very large letters, the Ayin of Shema, the Dalit of Achod, spelled the word Eid, right? We're testifying about our, our belief in HaKadosh Baruch the leftover letters are Esmach the leftover letters in Shema and Achod spell the word I will rejoice that testimony the fact that a Jew can survive in Mitzrayim all those years was the greatest testimony to which Yaakov Avinu responds by when he sees Yosef and he sees the the um, that not only was he ready to be a representative against those 70 nations but that even his children who grew up in Mitzrayim were going to be able to be there to maintain the integrity of Klai Yisrael throughout the ages Yankee Ravinu declares with his hand that the, the clearly the best way to battle evil is not the Yaskili uh, Yamamisa. Then he says, Amusa Pam, I'll leave that for the time that he really does face death ultimately. But for the time being, the only method I'll ever need to use will be, Esmach will be to rejoice with Limadatayra and with Krishma, and that will be the, the method of survival through which Kla Yisrael sustains themselves throughout the ages. It'll be with Simcha. With the attitude of Yosef, who is the forerunner to the Goliath of Klai Yisrael, Vayesu Yosef Merkavtoi the Kras Aviv, he he rides on the chariot, and that's where uh, we need to keep our focus. That we are here, as the Mavashamer said, to declare to the world that there is nothing that's worthwhile other than declaring to the world the presence of Hakadosh Baruch Hu to create for him a dira betachtaina.